When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Loki Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Loki, brought to you by Bald Move Pulp. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season one, episode three, titled Lamentous. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this episode? Uh, it's pretty good. I saw some people saying that uh, nothing happened, but like we found out a lot about our antagonist and uh, they developed quite a bit of character and uh, quite a bit of world building and shows have to do that and that counts as as momentum i i thought um i thought this was pretty entertaining um i really liked the lady loki and their dynamic that they had um but yeah i'm i'm curious cuz like uh, obviously there's so many tricks going on here mm-hmm. and there's so like we have two trickster gods that can fuck with your perceptions and your mind entirely so it's like, what do you believe? You know, when when someone whips out a pad, it's like, ah, oh, it's destroyed. Is it? Yeah. When someone goes to sleep and wakes up, did they? I don't know. So, like, I think next episode is going to be a real freaking doozy before we probably get back to the whatever the TVA is doing in this time. Um, but I, I I really liked it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you're probably right about uh, quite a bit of that. And I think everybody's going to have their theories coming out of this episode because it just encourages you to spin some off. Uh, I was pretty disappointed by this episode, honestly. Oh, um, I like those first two episodes and I thought we were gearing up to to kind of push it to the next level here. And we were going to learn more about uh, the other Loki variants plan, Sylvia, Sylvie's plan. Um, I guess I expected this to continue the story more directly than it did. And we kind of were left with a side Mandalorian style side quest episode that yes, there are tricks going on, but they don't reveal anything in this episode. It, it's probably this episode and the next one. I don't know. Maybe the rest of the season need to be taken as a pair. Um, mm. And, and it will feel better once they get this next episode out. But as it stands, yeah, this episode was pretty disappointing to me. There was also some weird tonal stuff um, between the two Lokis here or not Loki and Loki. Um, it, it, they are like at each other's throats the whole time at the beginning of this episode. And then they just sit down in this lounge and sort of everything switch turns on a dime. And now they're suddenly, you know, uh, working together and having this like flirty strange like half half uh i don't know like it it just didn't feel right nothing in that scene felt right to me i don't know how to describe it it's just it turned too fast you you can't wrap your mind around loki sexualism you know it's like it's hard right. to, I, if you've I, never been loki attracted it's it's hard to under it's 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 hard to understand what it feel like to to meet you know yourself and just like have that instant you know mm. oh yeah people are saying there are fireworks in this episode i didn't see them i couldn't see them <laughs> they were coming from loki's fingertips i mean how could you no, not? no i didn't see anything <laughs> i just saw him wiggling his fingertips 
<laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. Disappointing episode. But like I said, I think once the next episode comes out and we see what the subterfuge is here, because, you know, it's there. It has to be there. And, you know, if it's not there, I'm going to be doubly disappointed. But I, I think it is. Huh. And I just. Yeah, I think I this is. Know what it is. This is definitely one of them their peace moving episodes we used to talk about in Breaking Bad where it's like, you know, to get to the next awesome thing, you have to kind of like have some talky scenes and get some people moved around. And I think we're, we're going to see there. I, I Since we're uh, bitching about things, I will say this and we got some feedback on it, too. I talked about how I thought the volume were starting to show the seams and like it the the magic was like i felt like i was sitting you know i was watching someone doing close up magic and i was standing where i wasn't supposed to be so i'm mm-hmm. like well you're not fucking levitating you're just standing on your tippy toe yeah the wheels really kind of fell off in this episode uh it's hard to it seems like the volume being a fixed volume has a real hard time showing wide vistas that characters are traversing um, mm. because it's a finite space, and you're supposed and and the thing they're supposed to be in, and like the the framing and how close things were, and like you just it just really looked like kind of bad rear projection in in a way that I never really thought of it in the Mandalorian. I definitely when I when I realized what they're doing, I could tell like oh yeah, this is a volume space, this is a volume space. But I thought I thought Loki kind of broke the fourth wall a bit. <laughs> Uh, with the like the green screen literally like rolled up behind them or something a time or two. Um, but I think, yeah, I'll talk about more of that in the the feedback because I don't know that that's like a a huge drastic problem because like you know think about CG in the early two thousands and how cover your eyes bad that looks you know a lot of places some places it still looks pretty spiffy like Lord of the Rings the people that really pioneered did it right but then other people got their hands on that technology and did not. You know, and I think that's the case of what's going on here. So, okay, well, let's uh, take a quick break and then get right into the episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we start off with uh, Lady Loki, who I'm going to call Lady Loki until she tells us her name. Uh, tries to trick C20 into revealing how many people are guarding the timekeepers with a margarita brain freeze. Uh, it's not successful, but she does manage to find out what the elevator that leads to them looks like. Yeah, I thought this was a really effective scene because it took me a while to figure out what the fuck was going on. Because um, I, I guess I didn't really recognize either C20 mm-hmm. or Lady Loki. They're kind of, you know, I... I Really? You didn't recognize uh, Lady Loki? I, I, I didn't. I can see C20 because like, she's under the helmet and all that, but... 
Well, but okay. like she's under, she's got the like the headdress and she's got the cloak. And when they're in pina colada, Jimmy Buffett mode, I I just didn't get it. Um, and then gotcha. once you became aware of what was happening, and here's where it's like I think a lot of development as far as the TVA, like we wondered about like why are these people all people, and you know what mm-hmm. what is like were they created? Are they constructs? Are they this? Are they that? Why you know why is this one guy obsessed with jet skis? I think we're starting to figure out that. You know, what what, what this uh, Lady Loki enchanting is telling us is that these are variants, humans that have been hijacked into the system, um, the Matrix style, and are unwittingly participating in this thing, uh, which is like, again, another little brick in the whole TVA is probably evil um, wall that we're building here. Mm -hmm. Um, But I liked it. It It's fun. Like, it's like completely took over the Marvel intro. You know, you've got this like yeah. fun beach music and party. And I'm like, what the hell is going on with this? I, I thought this was a good scene um, and showing how finesse, you know, because we, we later will hear her describe this process, but how much it takes to finesse information out of people when you're doing this enchanting. Yeah, Especially if you're dealing with a strong it, mind. It's hilarious to me, though, like the the trick itself is pretty unsophisticated aside from like the scenery, right? Like, OK, you change the scenery, you make them think they're in a location, you make them think they're your friend. But then you just straight up ask him how many people are guarding the timekeepers. And, and you but do that like, like over and over. How many people are guarding the timekeepers? Where's the elevator? Yeah. All that shit. I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. I, there was no like slyer way to ask this question other than straight up. It felt a lot like um, like like strategy to use. I imagine like, uh, you know, with the MK Ultra when like you had CIA agents in, you know, trying to extract information from people they pumped full of LSD. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're just like the subject and you're intensely looping on some kind of hallucinogen. And then like every once in a while, you'll, you'll kind of come to and this, uh, uh, you'll, you'll realize that you're being interrogated and the spell's broken. Uh, then it has to be, I felt as more like that rather than you're literally supposed to understand that she's like, Oh, are we comfy in her fantasy? Where, what is the disposition of the forces of the, you know, it's like, I, but I thought it worked and the way it like suddenly kept the person off balance because like the, the day would change or the time of day. It's like a Greg Nicotero directed episode of Loki. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought that stuff was good. I thought it was pretty cool. All right. Uh, next scene, we head over uh, to the TVA. Lady Loki teleports there. Loki follows her. Uh, she tries her mind powers, but they don't work here. And she goes to the gold elevator, which is what, you know, C20 told her and tries to enter. But Ravona shows up and, uh, Loki decides, oh, we got to get out of here and teleports him away using the Tim pad. Uh, once do you want to talk about this? This is mostly action stuff, I figure. Right. I, I just like the we wondered what the hell was she was doing last episode with the hundreds of time capsules going, the reset capsules going this, there and the other. Clearly, this was all just a distraction yeah. to purge the TVA of personnel so she could go and traipse through it. And it was carefully, meticulously yeah. planned because like she had just enough juice to pull this off, the disperse all the stuff, pull this off and get an escape. Uh, so like, it kind of gives you an idea, like later when she says this was a plan years in the making, like we kind of like kind of give a short shrift, but like, yeah, Loki, Loki prime here, uh, really fucked her, mm-hmm. um, in <laughs> whatever she was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, the Tim pad is out of juice, stranding them on lamentous one in the year 2077, which, Turns out it is during an apocalypse that destroys the entire moon that they're on when a planet crashes into it. And they 
argue for a little while, run from falling meteorites into a shack where they agree to work together to recharge the Timpad. Yeah, I like a good moon crashing into a planet story. Sure. Like uh, the the old uh, Guy Pierce time traveler um mm-hmm. time machine like I, I like that i like the isn't that the way chewbacca non-canonically died in the star wars legends uh, a moon crash <laughs> like from the yuzung vong manipulating gravity crashed on him i, don't I like it's it's a good it's a it's a neat sci-fi idea like the idea of like this moon that's always hanging in her sky is kind of like this comforting presence is like suddenly coming to kill you uh mm. it's it's neat it's neat it, it, it's an exciting kind of apocalyptic uh event to happen uh yeah I agree. Um, the effects of that are pretty <laughs> devastating, even before the celestial body crashes into you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I read a book. Shit. I can't think of the name of it. Something Saturn. Saturn something. God damn it. It, uh, it was a really good book um, about the moon breaking up our, our moon here on Earth, breaking apart for, for no reason. It's like one of those unexplained events and then like uh-huh. falling to Earth and the after effects of that. And it spans like multiple generations of humans and it's got like a ring world style uh time span thing that was really cool um so yeah i'm a fan of that stuff too here it's all just playing out in fast motion mm-hmm. um they 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 have a pretty good joke in this scene that's just played totally straight where they're like trying to talk about oh you know the tin pads out of juice and then she uh, Lady Loki is like, there's power somewhere here on this moon. We just need to find enough of it to travel through interdimensional time and space. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, no problem. What's that take? Like <laughs> two double A's, three? Right. Enough to power apparently, a game gear, uh, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Apparently a star interstellar arc is the power source you need to um, and that, that makes sense. And this is honestly just a MacGuffin a reason for these two people that hate each other to have to work together or else they're going to face certain death. Yeah, you know, uh, that Loki a triggered. She has a whole encyclopedia, apparently in this time pad of these apocalyptic things to hide out on. And he picked this one and they're out of juice and if they don't work together. They're going to die. You got to um, imagine. Um, and maybe we can start talking about some of the things that lead us to believe this is uh, some kind of trick because we're dealing with two trickster gods here. Um. The first thing is you got you got to remember that Loki has kind of perused the apocalypse files, right? The doomsday uh, catalog is now firmly planted in his brain. He knows when he says, I don't know what Lamentus one means. I think that's a lie. I think he knows exactly what Lamentus one means. Yeah. And he brought them there because it has some kind of perceived advantage for him. Right. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. Because it's also kind of in the, isn't this broadly speaking around the time frame they're looking like in the mid twenty first century? Yeah, it's close. It's like twenty years off. It's like twenty forty five to twenty fifty or something like that. Oh, okay. So maybe, may, maybe not. But um, I think that's plausible. I think that's certainly plausible. Yeah, and there is a lot of other reasons to to think there's something fishy going on. I also here. like the idea that like this Loki <laughs> thinks he's uniquely like it was he called a tech savvy or tech literate. Uh huh. Like, give it to me. I'm a tech. I'm a tech savvy Loki. Like, yeah. uh, I hooked up my my dad's VCR. Odin. Yeah. He couldn't, yeah. He couldn't figure that shit out. I did it in like Odin, two minutes. <laughs> he couldn't figure out the interdimensional cable. Couldn't program the shit to record. I got that thing. Boom. Yeah. Set up a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so they go searching for a power source, and Lady Loki tells Loki that her name is Sylvie now. They find a settlement where Sylvie tries and fails to trick Loki in handing over the tin pad. So they continue on, and they find this house occupied by a cantankerous old woman who they have a little bit of trouble interacting with. But eventually she tells them that there is an arc set to take off uh, and get everyone off the planet. And they think that arc might have enough power to recharge the tin pad, so they head there. This is a joke that I saw coming a mile away, but it was still fun to watch. Loki's mm-hmm. confidently striding up and impersonating the, her sweetheart in a picture. And I'm like, I yeah. know how this is going to go. She's going to blow him the fuck off that porch. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it was still fun, fun to, to watch the wind up, the pitch and the, the grand slam. Yeah, I did enjoy the back and forth in this episode of, uh, you know, the, the power dynamics like shifting and their, their attitudes towards each other shifting. That, that was pretty good. Especially since like there's um, like Loki seems aghast. Like, is she ahead of him on the hero curve? Because it's like, I can't believe Loki is going to create a power vacuum and just walk like the ultimate power vacuum and not exploit it, but just to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder uh, because I don't think she's evil. And I think the time the TVA is is so, you know, he's essentially can't understand a purely altruistic thing, uh, a, a purely altruistic gesture. Yeah, could be that um, or it could be that he doesn't understand the full extent of the plan, because I think that's that's mm-hmm. part of what if there is a subterfuge here going on with um, Loki trying to trick her into something, it's probably trying to trick her into getting the details of the plan. Right. Right. Um, so he wouldn't fully understand what she's planning to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, next up, they arrive at. What I thought was the arc turns out it's just the train to the arc. Um, Loki comes up with a plan to transform into a guard and leads Sylvie onto the arc. Um, another guard tries to stop him, but Sylvie enchants him, and then they board. And man, uh, th- this whole thing—we talked about this a little bit before the podcast with the volume, and maybe we're going to save that part of it till later. But this whole planet looks to me like they got their Star Wars in my Marvel with. Like this could be Tatooine if it wasn't purple, if the sky wasn't purple. Um, And if the, you know, huts were made of a little less metal. Mm. I don't know. It felt very Star Wars planet to me. Well, I my okay. So I have a bit of a problem. Are these humans? Is this a human future colony? I don't think we're going to get there in 50 years, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Elon will will get it done. Uh, I, I don't. I I didn't I don't understand because like uh, usually Marvel's pretty good at having alien ass aliens. Yeah. You know, uh, even when they're just like palette shifted like Drax and Gamora, they're like recognizably like it feels weird to have them. And it feels very Star Wars, to be honest, to have them just mm-hmm. trot out like an alien, a human colony. Yeah, um, that's definitely part of what made it feel Star Wars. And I know that there's a couple, like even the Guardians of the Galaxy, the uh, whatever the police force was kind of like, un, you know, pretty recognizably human. I feel like that they with the budgets they've got, they need to be a little bit more alien on this stuff because it's like, you know, unless they are intending that there is a human colony. And I, I don't know, maybe that's the thing is like uh, Marvel Universe in 2021 has got fucking 
holographic shielded fucking helicarriers. So maybe we mm-hmm. are going to get interstellar travel. But I, I, I guess I wish they would be a little bit more intentional about that because it felt to me like a budget issue. <laughs> that they just don't have the enough foam latex to, to outfit people <laughs> to do this. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing, right? They're, this project is super ambitious. I mean, creating mm-hmm. a six episode series, um, you know, it's like the budget of a movie, probably that is, you know, six times as long or three times as long. Yeah. And still trying to yeah. do all of the Marvel shit with with crazy worlds and aliens and ships and powers and all that stuff it's a lot of effects work um that they're trying to do on what has to be a slim down budget so yeah but i do tough. think that if i if i understand the upcoming phases they're going to need to um introduce some alien species to kind of like round out the cast of characters and i feel like these are missed opportunities to do that to where like you can get your first encounter with the shiar empire mm-hmm. you know outpost they can just kind of like get it get it going in people's mind um and instead you just got stock humans wearing you know like you said moisture farmer outfits or kind of like fashy robocop ocp outfits on the other yeah. side it's like eh, i don't know i, feel like- and I guess that also is like the two Lokis are recognizably human, so maybe haven't. But mm-hmm. then again, they also can fucking change the shape at will. So what the shit? Uh, those guard uniforms, are the, are the helmets on those designed specifically to wear in the volume? Because they're very reflective. They're all just like one sheet of black acrylic or whatever. Interesting. I mean, it's if because I mean, that's the one powerful thing of the volume right. is that like what you see is what you get. Like those reflections and shit are real. So like, yeah, yeah. why not? Uh, unfortunately it's not I don't think this is the best showcase episode if they're trying to be like look at our reflective surfaces I'm like yeah look at the fucking seam in the floor you know mm-hmm. uh, so then Sylvie and Loki sit and talk in the lounge on the train to the Ark Sylvie asks about Loki's mother and Loki gets sort of caught up in this conversation they talk about their mothers their magic and love and then agree to relax in their own ways the, the first thing yeah, I you- noticed here that felt totally off is the number of people outside the train versus the number of people inside the train and the look Mm. of the people outside versus the look of the people inside these were not the moisture farmers getting on this train these were the elites these are the well moisturized relaxed elites (laughs) um that have farmed the moisture from the moisture farmers and it's and that's the thing it's like I, i remember talking about this in the mandalorian like i don't understand this weird social commentary that they're doing like without actually ever addressing it. Maybe they will. And and maybe we're supposed to understand because later in the episode, Loki will not quite in an outraged voice, more of a kind of like remarking on the fact of like, Oh, they're just leaving these people to die. Um, There's a couple of those kind of moral quandaries in Mandalorian where like they'd raise like, Oh, look at this oppressed people and the Imperials. And I guess it works a little bit better as an LOL. Who cares when you're dealing with like ruthless bounty hunters. Um, but I, I don't know, like these are heroes or antiheroes, and I guess it, that stuff should bother them um, if they're but maybe they're also telling that like Loki at this level's development just doesn't care. And I yeah. guess why would he? He was about ready. This Loki again is about ready to enslave the entire Earth. Uh-huh. So but like, again, what the hell is this? You know, you keep showing this dynamic, but you're not really doing anything with it or addressing it. Um, yeah. But I also want to say, because you, you shouldn't really be bothered about why they would kind of be at peace in this lounge. I don't know what they're supposed to do. Are they supposed to have a big cinematic 
Loki fight in the middle of this train that they're trying to like hide out on to get to. No, but uh, you know, uh, emotional talks about their mothers and their childhoods, like that stuff just can't kind of came out of nowhere for me. It was like one minute Mm. they are fighting one minute. They are knives to each other's throats. And the next minute Mm. they're talking about the meaning of their, the relationship they had with their mothers. I, yeah, it's just like Clint right. and Rob, Robert Dreyfus, who they're kind of antagonistic characters in Jaws, but they're stuck in a long scene, so they just start swapping essentially war, emotional war stories, I guess, is what they're doing here. Um, I, I mean, I know why Loki's doing it, because he wants her to talk, right? and if he can keep her talking, then he can get information, and she is letting, I know why Lady Loki's doing it, because in her, trying to get her to talk, Loki's talking a lot, mm-hmm. And and getting given her information about who he is and what makes him tick. So, like, I felt like it made it it made sense. Um, I guess so. I, I wish that this episode wasn't so short, I guess, is th- this episode is way shorter than the other two episodes. And I kind of felt like they cliffhangered it for the sake of cliffhangering uh-huh. it instead of, like, making the episode kind of stand alone as something that was interesting. Um because like all this stuff is going to be revealed next episode, most likely. It's just within yeah. this episode, none of it pays off, right? There isn't ever like a plan to trick the other person. There isn't none of that is revealed, and so it feels very weird. All right, um, but, I can see that. Did you have any? I tried to look into because I thought this is an obvious Easter egg when she. They're talking about their lovers. First of all, I guess this is this will probably be big news. I, I haven't seen people talk about it much, but like, you know, I, I, we went from like in game having Marvel's first LGBT character, which is essentially a guy who talked about dating a cute boy in this emotional support group post snap led by Captain America. And people are like, yay, representation. But like, I think Loki just canonically came out as bisexual or at least by Loki. No, no, he can fit to having like his share of princes and princesses, which I think is kind of a big deal. You're not hearing people talk about this. It's like every other comment on the Reddit thread. I don't okay, know. I guess yeah, I was it's... I was focused on the lore, the lore stuff. And again, I, I was doing my notes like at 930 um, mm-hmm. in the morning. So like maybe you came in and the, the conversation was more developed. But yeah, I thought this. uh this, yeah, obviously people make a big deal because like this is the biggest LGBT character in Disney history now, single handedly, just and with an offhanded comment. Probably cinematic history with as big as Marvel is. I mean, could be. Yeah. If you're talking about just like in terms of billions of dollars at the box office and number um, of people who are invested in it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I thought it was interesting. It is. It's, um, it's kind is, of, you know, casually played off here. Um, I wonder if they're going to do more with that in the future. Yeah, I also was really curious about because this is obviously an, an, supposed to be an Easter egg. But when Sylvie's talking about having a relationship with this postman, Kevin Costner, the postman, the apocalyptic postman. I don't think so. I saw <laughs> okay. that, like I, I, I saw a couple of things, suggestions of what this could be. Um. You know, there is, I guess, this leader of this band of of Morlocks, who's kind of like a villain in the deep cut of X-Men's uh, rogues gallery. Um, there's this guy named Willie Lumpkin, who I guess delivered mail to the Fantastic Four and, and dated uh, Aunt May, Peter Parker. Um, and also, I think this guy that was played by Stan Lee, 
uh, as a cameo and won the the Fantastic Four. And it, it also could be kind of like a sneaky allusion to all of like Stan Lee's multiverse appearances in the MCU entirely. Like she like this uh, the Lady Loki's got a torrid relationship with Stan. But essentially, the the time and cosmos traveling Stan Lee, I, I like huh. that one the best. But like, I don't That's know. I'm fun. interested to see like what this Morlock sort of Willie Lump- Lumpkin stuff shakes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of discussion about also who Sylvie is. Um, which when do you want to talk about that? Because uh, let's talk about that because I I didn't see as much uh great theories about that. I guess like I I was kind of running down something about the Enchantress. Yeah, and um, I didn't have time to research this um pretty much at all. But yeah, that seems like and and Marvel look the backstory on this shit gets real confusing immediately you you open up the wikipedia mm-hmm. article and there are two different characters who were called the enchantress and one of them was i guess a teenager who was given powers by loki um so people and her name is sylvie so i think a lot of people are assuming that that's what this oh, character that seems, is right yeah 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 yeah. yeah and um, she doesn't want to be called a loki could be some like you know teenage angst going on there for sure um huh yeah i don't, I don't know too much about it but I'm sure you can go out there and look for like Loki episode three Enchantress and you'll probably find a lot of info at this point. Yeah. And they do a lot of um, Marvel's good at doing that. Like they take the essence of a character and like give it a different, slightly different origin Mm -hmm. um, so that it kind of makes sense with all the other interconnected stuff. And Marvel's a great thing to do that because they got so many different potential continuities and versions of characters and alternate histories and you know what ifs and yeah. different universes that you can kind of mix and match so like this like the enchantress wasn't given their powers but but she's literally like loki in some actual kind of like post earth and again all this stuff like it seems like it's well there's going to be a problem because how do these people all exist post tva but i think the tva is going to get smashed so like <laughs> uh-huh. these are just the birth we're watching the birth of new characters um yeah and I got a couple of I got a couple of theories my, my of my own to talk about towards the end of this episode. Okay. Um, well, let's keep moving then. Uh, Sylvie wakes up. Loki's singing and dancing with all of the Ark occupants or train occupants. Uh, someone doesn't like his look and leaves the car. Sylvie notices that and warns Loki, but he's too full to care much. Full is how he describes being drunk, I guess. Uh, the guards enter the room and ask for their tickets. A fight ensues. Loki's thrown from the train and Sylvie follows him. The Tempad is destroyed in the process and they come up with a last ditch plan to hijack the doomed Ark and fly it off the moon and they begin walking toward the Ark. Uh, I, want, I, I got something on this Loki saying that he's drunk as full. Um, Jack from Norway wrote in uh, and said, I noticed a funny tidbit in episode three that I found quite charming. When Sylvia refers to or wakes up on the train to find a singing Loki, she remarks that you're drunk, to which he replies, no, I'm just full. It's funny to me, as full as the Norwegian uh, word for drunk, as in yeah. uh, Jaeger full, I am drunk, is what that literally means. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure, not sure if there's initial, uh, initial f- a joke or not by the writers, but given Loki's roots in Norse-Norwegian mythology, I thought it was quite fitting for the trickster god with the gift of gab to make such a pun. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I I love that. I, I it's got to be intentional, right? If you're uh-huh. doing like you know Norwegian lore work and and Norse god stuff to like throw in a, like a little verbal interplay like that. Can Loki yeah. get drunk, or does he just? 
you know, I mean, drink and have fun can. with people while they get drunk. I think, Four I don't can. know, it seems like the Norse gods can fucking, uh, now okay. whether, like, is it like one of those things where they can get drunk and then instantly dispel, like, like, like instantly sober up using their god powers, maybe, but, right. like, I think Loki's gotten smashed in a Marvel film or three. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't remember. He probably has. Did I say Thor or Loki? Yeah, Thor is the guy that like is always like, yeah, another. And spe-. also, I like that. Yeah, like, because like great. Thor does a lot of that uh, Peter the Great style huzzahing in the <laughs> Marvel films, and Loki, his brother's doing it. Why he's singing an uh, 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 Asgardian sea shanty? Oh yeah. Um, I thought that was that was very cute. Mm-hmm. Something also potentially cute. Everything that happens after Sylvie wakes up is an illusion or a trick. Or Loki pulling a reverse enchantment on her. Yeah. Um, that's also a likelihood. Yeah. Anytime I'm seeing a break in consciousness of these characters, there there's a potential continent. There's a, there's a, there's an alternate thing being pulled. Some alternate wool being pulled over their uh, prime timeline eyes. I, think. I mean, there has to be right. Okay. So at the end of this episode, they're clearly doomed, like all the way doomed. Uh, there's no way of getting off of this planet. Their temp pad is totally destroyed. So either an outside force has to come in and save them, which I don't see happening. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Owen Wilson tracks them down here and comes and saves them. I doubt it. What I think is far more likely is that they have never been doomed. Uh, and in fact, this yeah. is either a trick that starts here or a trick of Loki pretending that the temp pad is destroyed when in actuality he's got it. It's fully charged. There's, yeah, there's always been a, an immediate way off this planet. Yeah, that's a hundred percent lock. There's no way that Tim Pad is destroyed, uh, and I'm uh, to the extent that I'm kind of uh, in disbelief that Lady Loki or Sylvie doesn't understand. But I'm kind of thinking that's the thing. It's like it's one of those who's conning who, mm-hmm. uh, like a Rick and Morty style. Um, you know, uh, I, I, yo, you thought that I was planning this. Well, I was planning this. Well, you thought that I thought that you were planning this. Well, all along I was planning. It's like, who's going to be the last one to subvert whose plans? Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought, uh, that's, that's something that they're definitely going for. And also when they're talking about the nature of love and all that stuff, did you think this might be a little bit of commentary on what everyone thought was kind of like a subpar observation by vision about like, what is grief, but love persevering uh-huh. that like Loki's trying to say something profound about love and he's kind of drunk and fucking it up. And- <laughs> was there anything in like the winter soldier Falcon and the winter soldier that was like, love is like a round shield or something like think so. what is, what is love? If not, the star on my shield or something. <laughs> it's like, I'm just thinking, are they going to do this in every series that they, I don't know. Out? I can see that. Cause like, again, with the Rick and more like, that's pretty self-referential and meta and like self making fun. Like I could see from that background, it being almost irresistible to like, Hey, let's just shoot a pickup scene of uh, Loki saying something stupid about love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, why couldn't he conjure those tickets? Was he, was he too drunk or too full? I think, Again, yeah, that's that's what I'm but that's the thing is like that's why none of this is real because even this Loki isn't so stupid that he's going to lose his uniform get so drunk he loses his uniform and causes a big scene and gets him thrown out of the train when like death is on the line. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just yeah, like I don't buy any of this stuff. And I don't even buy that Sylvia's taken in by it either. That's what I'm saying. Like next yeah. episode should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I- if she's not taken in by it, then or if she is, let's just say um, Loki's probably using the fact that she thinks very little of him 
um, and would believe mm-hmm. that he's such a buffoon that he would accidentally destroy this thing. Uh, yeah. And, and then like pretend like everything's fine. Cause he's, he's got it right. He's tech techno savvy. Uh, right. Yeah. There's just playing both his ego and her perceived incompetence of him uh, to try and trick her. Uh, it could be that simple or it could be way deeper, which I hope it is. Yeah. Plus, I guess like, I'm, I'm thinking it could be like one of those inception things where like because there's another popular theory that said like when Loki like popped behind her back and transformed into the goofy purple stormtrooper, that that's when he like invisibility made himself invisible and, and, and made a image, a loser a illusion of himself. Um, okay. but like, I, I like the idea of like a scene in the future where she's enchanting him and like in his headspace, but then he reveals that, ah, you just enchanted an illusion and I'm, I'm the real Loki all the time. And then the scene shapes again and she's got her fingers on his head. Like, they're just like, you know, it's like how many levels deep do they go until they're in limbo of <laughs> right. illusion and enchanting and illusion. <laughs> it's like, I, I think it will be a lot of fun. Contrapoint. We get the next episode and none of this stuff matters. I think I see what you're saying was like, this is going to like the wheels will kind of fall off because like everyone's expecting some maximum clever shit here. Well, they've set it up, right? Like whatever is going to happen with the subterfuge is already set up. They've already told you the rules. They've had characters say it, right? Like there are several times where either if you're talking about Loki in previous episodes, you're talking about Sylvie in this episode saying, okay, here's exactly how enchanting works. They they have already set this up and it's just the fact that maybe they've hit it well enough that we can't quite figure out exactly how it works yet. Yeah, but I also want to talk about like the, the the two Lokis wreck and shop like I like the fact that on all of these Marvel shows, they don't really skimp out on the fight scenes because I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of action shows that where it gets to be perfunctory because it's like, well, it's not like once you've seen so many great fights how do you top it? And then it's like, well, you know, you got to have a fight here because these people would fight, but it's nothing special to write home about. Like they're doing like, this is all really good stunt work, even when it does. Mm -hmm. And we haven't even talked about it. Like the whole TVA battle where she's like purging people left and right and jumping on walls and stuff like that stuff is, you know, really slick. And, you know, as good as anything I've ever seen. And they know that we probably, a lot of people aren't going to like talk about it. We will let them know when they phone it in. Yeah, but yeah. like I, I like that that commitment that like, you know, just like you can't just stop acting in the middle of a scene just because it's been a long conversation. Mm-hmm. You still got to do the voice and the face and all that shit. Same thing with stunts, man. Even if it's like kind of a perform, you got to commit to it. And the MCU stunt stunt team is delivering. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have the biggest media franchise on the planet if they didn't. True. <laughs> true <laughs> they true. just like let some of these things slide. Uh, so they walk and talk on their way back to the city. Uh, Loki gets Sylvie to open up about how enchantment works. She also talks about C20 and how there was a time when she didn't work for the TVA, which shocks Loki. But it doesn't shock him as much as when she tells him that everyone who works for the TVA is a variant just like them. And then they hustle up to the city where they hear a final boarding call for the Ark. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, you know, Mobius... Did he used to sell jet skis? Yeah. Did he used to be a big jet Almost ski enthusiast? Certainly he owned and or operated jet skis in his human past. Like what happens when these people. Like, can they be reset an infinite amount of time? Like how many times has Mobius realized, wait a second, I used to be an earthling. This is a shocking thing. And they reset him. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just wonder, like, how much they'll delve into kind of like in the same way that, um, you know, it's kind of when, when Wanda, like, in source an entire town, it's like just a horror of that. Like, and, and they I thought they did a good job of every once in a while that town's person's focus would snap and they talk about how, like, just truly hellish it is. Yeah. I wonder if we'll have some similar things with Owen Wilson, where it's like it's just like kind of. He's just like happy-go-lucky Owen Wilson, but like we'll get a little bit of sadness because this isn't the person he's supposed to be. He's just been enslaved to this system. Um, yeah. Again, TVA is evil. Bunch of assholes. Lock stock for sure. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder. Do we need to sort of focus up our hatred of the TVA? Is it timekeepers? Is it because the TVA? If You're apparently right, the they're TVA. all enslaved uh, with mind control. You can't yeah. say that they're evil, but the timekeepers could be evil. Ravona might yeah. be evil. I don't know. By rules of Star Trek, when someone's possessed and not acting of their own free will, um, and I guess by rules of the Conjuring Three, the devil made me do it. Uh, if you're if you're being possessed by an outside focus, if you're just being puppeted, then yeah, yeah, like how could you possibly have any moral culpability? The lizard people um, made me do it. Yeah, so the timekeepers are evil, and here's the thing: I don't even think the timekeepers are a thing. I think the timekeepers mm-hmm. are the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and there is some person behind the curtain pulling the strings, and that's that's the interesting thing that's going to be. Is it is it this Kang that we talked about last episode? Is that the thing? Uh, we're we're gonna talk. I mean, okay. do we want to get to the end of the episode? Yeah, yeah let's yeah. let's do this because it's all pretty much just action from here. Um, mm-hmm. there there are five minutes left until launch. They concoct a quick plan to get onto the Ark as conditions on the moon get worse. And then the Ark is destroyed before they can make it aboard. And, you know, Loki has his big pose at the end. Yeah. Uh, the thing that bothered me uh, most in this scene is guards who are on a doomed planet that's actively ripping itself apart and being bombarded by uh, meteorites or whatever. Are trying to stop two schmoes who are just running around in the outskirts of this Ark area. That's what mm-hmm. bothered me. Like, do these people have no sense of self-preservation? Are they so devoted to the cause of keeping the plebes off the arc that they're willing to throw their own lives away in the final moments? I think it's explicit. This is like a situation like in the one of the seasons of the Expanse where like this is the last transport off of a doomed asteroid and everyone wants on it. And you've got three or four people that are muscle that are that are keeping the, the 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 crowd at bay and it's the implicit understanding that they're going to be the last ones on there now whether they are but i, I think that's why they're the stormtroopers so are loyal yeah okay. yeah but like is it going to like when is it going to leave like i'm like if, if, five like, minutes. if they have like they said it yeah so they got five minutes to get back to their post or i i don't know like i, I don't think they're fanatic because like the thing is, is the reason I say that is because when the transports gets destroyed, the arc gets destroyed, like several of the guards like fall to their knees and like, mm-hmm. fuck. So I what? think they expected to get onto that, you know, I guess they should have staged this fight a lot closer to the arc then, like right outside the arc, because it feels like they are miles from the arc. If this thing is as big as it looks, they're You're a good five minute walk easy from the arc. They're not making it. And anyway. I wonder. I wonder if this was some of those volume limitations like they just couldn't like if they should like if they just couldn't stage it because it just didn't look right because one of the things I think that they uh, need to do is like um, and and I think this is how the volume works is that these are like rear projected surfaces if they could get those into be like OLED because I think the one thing that really gives it away is like you can tell that I don't know that this is a screen that's being projected it's a little bit washed out. And if they could get it to where it's like as vivid as like, uh, you know, or, or something real that's reflecting light and stuff, I, I think that's one thing that would help them. 
but I wonder if like uh, uh, I wonder if it's just the volume if they they just couldn't get the because part of making a volume Maybe. work is blending real shit like elements of the train station and like stuff on the ground yeah. and uh, like if you got a hangar bay that you can like frame in action or a starship strut with a with a wing that kind of like gives you a little separation of foreground mid ground and background it works a hell of a lot better but here they're just in a big valley with a starship in the background and I wonder if it was close like just a parallax wouldn't work like yeah, as the camera maybe. traversing like it's just not going to look right i did see um, some weird stuff when they were doing close-ups of loki in the lounge oh, when he was singing oh, yeah. there was like uh-huh. some distortions oh. in the okay. background i thought you were going to but... talk about like this fight scene because there's a lot of oh no people were complaining about the the planet that's crashing into it looking really shitty mm-hmm. and i didn't really see that mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I like I said, I the, this the, them walking around and them at this final fight is where I saw most of the kind uh-huh. of uh, uh, volume volumetric problems. But uh, gotcha. Yeah. Also, like I like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I thought it was interesting. Loki's line reading of like they're going to let these people die. It was halfway between like an offhand observation of fact and like outrage. Mm hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Like this is uh, Loki is starting to be bothered by this shit happening, but maybe not quite all the way there yet. Or maybe I'm just, I don't yeah. know. Uh, maybe Tom was just phoning it in and it came across that way, but I don't know. He's a pretty good actor. I don't think that's who's who's the happening. they he's talking about here. Is he maybe talking about the TVA too? Because like, that's the well, thing I mean, about that's the TVA and all they of know these, yeah. that everything is going to happen and they do nothing to stop and it. And it's supposed to happen. Yeah. They prune it and make it happen. Um, yep. So, yeah, I don't know. It's very, I mean, I'm sure you know, if, if they were a good organization, there's probably a lot of uh, needs of the many outweighing needs of the few kind of thing. They can cloak oh, yeah, that a lot with, of rhetoric for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of empty rhetoric <laughs> of, for the people who are going to survive to the people who are going to die. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So that's the end of the episode. We'll see how how the tricks are played out uh, next episode because there's got to be tricks here for sure. Just what are they? Yeah. And I wonder because like that's the thing is like the one flaw in my Loki might have enchanted uh, Sylvie flaw is that she doesn't explain the process until after she falls asleep and wakes up. But it's still mm. pr- uh, plenty of room for just pure illusion. And also, yeah. She taught herself to trick, which I always think if someone did that, then someone else who's already steeped in magic might be able to figure it out themselves, too. It's like, yeah, they gave you the they gave you the key to the lock as they handed it to the to you. So, but right. It's like if know. Luke had had walked over to Yoda on Dagobah and said, look what I learned to do and lifts a rock. Yoda's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a neat trick and lifts the X wing. You know, <laughs> like right, I've been doing right, magic right, a lot right. longer than you, buddy. Yeah, so like you, there's a new wrinkle that you've showed, like you know, and if if you're, yeah, I, I think I there's can spin a, the rock. <laughs> there's a definite uh, strong possibility that uh, there's some some timey wimey magic magic going on here for sure. All right, we're about to get to the feedback, but first let's take a quick break. Okay, before we get into the feedback, which by the way, Marvel at baldmove.com is where you want to send feedback. Um, last week, alert. Marvel historian Sean hipped us to the whole Nathaniel Richards, uh, the thousand year in the future, sci, uh, uh, son or descendant of Rex or Reed Richards, uh, mm-hmm. leader of the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic himself. 
Hipped us to the Nathan Nathaniel Richards to Kang the Conqueror to Immortus Master of Time pipeline that uh, you'll go from kind of hero to villain to full circle like guardian of the timeline. And there's one of the um, one of the outreaches that theory is that uh, or I I guess actual comic plot is that one of the things that the, the Immortus guy is trying to do is keep a lid on the Avengers because if the Avengers are left unchecked, they turn into some kind of like cosmic spanning, uh, you know, oppressive force or that they, 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 they fuck up a lot more than they, they serve. They save if they're not properly monitored. Um, I think that is eventually where Marvel's going to go because they've got, you know, they've, they've brought the fantastic four underneath their umbrella. The thing is, is like the first, Fantastic Four MCU movie is set to go into production in 2023. And this shit feels like it's a lot more immediate. I wonder if the big bad behind the TVA is Loki himself. Um, A version of Loki who's gone so power mad that he has become, as he observed in the last episode, the most powerful thing in the universe Mm-hmm. And it's oppressive and it's bad. And there's a rep ragtag group of rebel Lokis trying to, you know, br- bring bring things back around. Like we're going to meet a, a a different variant of Loki, perhaps an older variant of Loki, um, because I, I just think that, like, I don't see how they get this Nathaniel Richards Kang Amortius thing uh, to work without the Fantastic Four. And that's two years away. Um. So like just like we we talked about them taking the Enchantress story and slightly tweaking its origin to make her an actual variant of Loki, mm-hmm. um, you could do like is it important to Kang's plotline? And I don't know because I this guy's kind of out of my wheelhouse. Is it important to his like core character arc that he be Reed Richards' son? Because if not, it could just be another Loki variant that's like become uber powerful and, and essentially winning everything. Um, because I guess there is some kind of Marvel lore that suggests Kang, uh, does try to set up a timeline that makes his rise inevitable, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I, like I said, I, I wonder if it's going to be that, or it's going to be like some kind of like borrowed Loki thing, a Loki variant. Um, it's going to have a Loki war going on here. I mean, as somebody who is not, steeped in the marvel comic stuff um i would certainly find it more interesting if it was loki fighting loki um you know what's what's going to turn your opinion of uh your glorious purpose faster than seeing that glorious purpose played out in it being hell <laughs> you know yeah. I, yeah. I think it could be super interesting to have loki fighting loki and there's tons of that stuff in the Marvel. Like I remember, like I I do know a lot about the X Men stuff. And there's this whole like Cable strife thing, where like Cable is the son of Scott Summers and I think Madeline Pryor that went got infected with the techno virus and was sent into the future to cure it. But he becomes evil. And there's a version of him that's good, which is Cable. And there's a version of him that's bad, that's strife. And they come back in the present day to kind of duke it out. Um, mm-hmm. like. You know, there's 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 all kinds of this like you self battling self when you see like how bad things get, you know. Yeah. Um. Th- that was a big plot of like dark, right? And I like I said, this guy that's the sure. that's the showrunner here, that's the Rick and Morty alum. Like they love doing that shit. Like we even saw this. It's funny because like now we're seeing Rick and Morty season five come out, 
And there was a couple elements of the latest episode, the premiere episode that seemed to be ripped from uh, Netflix's dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you couldn't have that where, you know, someone is so horrified by your own in game after you've become a bitter burnt out time, like comes back to stop it. Yeah. Like, I think that's an interesting idea and it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, it doesn't require waiting three years for the five, for the three, probably longer. Cause what the hell you're going to introduce the son of <laughs> Reed Richards on, in the first uh, Fantastic Four movie, or I guess you probably maybe that's the thing they're going to introduce to Fantastic Four like at the end of the Immortals, so like they're going to get their first feature film in 2023. But they'll right. it's kind of like Spider Man was already a thing introduced at other, so they they do have that ability. But I don't know. I, I like the low like like you said, it's inherently more interesting at this phase in MCU development. For Loki to be the villain than than the son of Reed Richards, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, did you see any other kind of like theories along or that, that was interesting? Okay. No, nothing I picked up on. But like I said, I don't have much time to research stuff before this episode. Right on. All right, well, let's get on again. If you want to send us feedback, um, Marvel at baldmove.com is how you do it. First up, John from Boston says, I think the main theme of fate and Loki is used in a similar way to the recent game, uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Now, I've oh, never played Final Fantasy. Remake? I certainly haven't played the remake. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know or if you're familiar because, like, I'm I'm just gonna have to go with whatever this guy's saying because I don't I haven't played it. Uh, it sounds like you haven't played the remake either. No, just the original and just half of it at that. Okay. Oh, really? I didn't know you didn't finish it. Okay. Yeah, I got so to, John, like, the golden nugget part and kind of quit. The golden. The, you found the gold nugget and you stopped there? Well, yeah, well, it turns out the gold nugget is a casino and it just drains you dry. So, yeah, I stopped. I stopped. <laughs> uh, so John says most of the remake follows the original 1997 masterpiece closely, but eventually bigger and bigger story divergences happen, each time being corrected by ghost-like manifestations of fate. Hmm. Ultimately, this was all a metaphor for the rabid fandom of the game who would not allow the creator to change his classic masterpiece because they're so tied to specific <laughs> version of events. I fucking love when a creator takes shots at a fan, like at a toxic element of their fan base like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's pretty fucking funny. In the end, he used the story itself to explain and represent how that needed to change and the variations needed to be accepted, meaning the remake um, instead of uh, making it a remake in quotes rather than a remake. What do you think Loki is or do you think Loki is making a similar point? It seems like Marvel is greatly expanding their multiverse, but also well aware that many fans might balk at something as simple as a female Loki, for example. The show's already filming when the game came out, so any similarity is probably just a shared angst at dealing with fan expectations, but it could be an interesting coincidence. Um, I think there's definitely elements within the MCU creative team that probably have kind of a jaundiced eye towards some of how possessive the fans are of things like canon oh, and yeah. versions of characters and which ones are the right ones and which ones are the wrong ones and I could see that being frustrating um, to the extent that you do a six episode miniseries to address it I don't know but that's if the there's elements of that I feel like the healthiest way to deal with that is to say okay some people are going to be upset at us doing this but creatively we think this is the correct decision so we're doing it anyway mm-hmm. to to you know clap back at these people by producing hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> worth of television seems like a bit much yeah um yeah but you do you i but guess it could be, 
Yeah, but like, that's another Rick and Morty thing that they like to in, in later seasons, like challenge their fan base and like poke fun at them, demanding continuity or the, the, the you know, the For fact sure. that it's not just one fan base. Some fan base likes the continuity and the evil Morty shit. Some people like to just crazy interdimensional cable, Justin Roiland being crazy person stuff. Um, but it's always it's never like a whole episode about it. It's always mm-hmm. kind of like just like little, little tiny, like you know, meta bits. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But it's interesting theory, John. It's got to be pretty annoying for creatives, though, I will say, to to have people have expectations that they not of like quality expectations, but but like specific things that they have to do in order to meet their expectations and and make this, quote unquote, as good as it can be. That's got to be infuriating when you're a creative type, especially when you're adapting something as big as the Marvel Universe, like, you know, there's right. a bunch of different and, and nonsensical at a, at a lot of points, right? I like I'm sure yeah. everything in the Marvel universe doesn't make sense on paper. Right. Oh yeah, like if you want to do a, a movie about Wolverine's origin, pick which of the tw- dozen versions that are mutually incompatible. Right. You know, and like but it's a one's going to be someone's fucking favorite <laughs> and it's going to really yep. piss off like you know, if, if people that like and so it's like it's kind of a thankless task and you got to kind of do it. And there's always going to be people that are, are cranky about it one way or another. But it's like Peter Jackson, you know, like there's some people that fucking can't stand the Lord of the Rings, but they're in a vast minority. Yeah. You know, so uh, Ryan from Kansas City said one thing I hope they reference in this show is that Captain America put the Infinity Stones back, but that he did also try to bring back a Tony Stark from before the Thanos fight to after the Thanos fight, but was stopped by the TVA. They set up the changing your past doesn't change your future. And the Thanos they beat up was from pre-snap that didn't snap, stop the snap from happening. The fact that they didn't do try to do this with Tony so that his daughter Morgan could grow up with their dad is mind boggling to me. I'm fine with him being dead, but the fact that they didn't even try is a loophole to me. So this also could be Mm -hmm. the same said for black widow. They probably can't get Chris Evans to do the scene somewhere. So just explain it with dialogue is all I can hope for. Maybe Mobius is the one that stopped him. And this could be the reasons for the FDR pin. Uh, he wouldn't <laughs> let him bring Tony back, but would let him stay in the past with Peggy. Although maybe oh. that was part of the timekeeper's timeline all along. And he's had his mind wiped since then. He's been reset. Now that we know these are reset agents. Yeah. And I don't hmm. think Chris Evans is anti-Marvel. I think Chris Evans is. Uh, you know, doesn't want to be doing Captain America shit all the time. It's Harrison but Ford, I think right? he would come. I think he would. Yeah, I think he would come back for a green screen, you know, after credit scene. Absolutely. Our uh, Robert Downey Jr. Same way. If they could figure out a way to do it. Um, I, I like they're yeah. not like pissed about the whole situation. Like some of the Star Wars. Like if you try to get Daisy Ridley back for something or John Boyega, they might just be like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh. But like, I don't think any of the core MCU people feel that way about it. So I think I, I don't know. I, I do think that there is something that they're going to do. They're setting up here with with uh, Captain America and the TVA. Mm-hmm. And it's complicated by the fact that we know well, I think we're going to understand. I, I'm just going with the fan canon as as straight now. But I think we're going to stand the TVA is evil. So like. Does that change how we feel about Captain America? But I don't know, because Captain America also served Hydra unwittingly mm-hmm. for several years when they took over shield. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, he can fall for the, the, the good guy act, uh, for, from a bad guy. So 
this would clean up some of those. I never had any problem with that because I guess I just didn't think about it that deeply. But it's like, yeah, why you're going back and and fixing things? Why not bring? But that shit does also feel like. Because, like, I guess to, to, to do it the same way you do the Infinity Stones, you'd have to return Tony to his proper timeline. What does that look like? Like you take t- Tony from just before the and you bring him back so he can raise his daughter. And then you get him back when she's like, when, when is it, when's the appropriate time to rip her, rip uh, Tony from her father and return him to his timeline. And he's going to be visibly older. <laughs> I still, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if Marvel thinks that they have a problem there the way you do, but also I'm super on board with them addressing things like why he wouldn't try to bring his friends back mm-hmm. um, and having the timekeepers be the ultimate kind of no that he can't. Yeah. Uh, all right, Sean. Uh, returns this week. Hey guys, last week Aaron was mentioning that he noticed scenes filmed in the volume and found them to be a bit distracting. I didn't notice it much last week, but I thought it was extremely noticeable this week and was curious about your take on it. I thought the exposition scenes of Loki and Sylvie walking and talking really betrayed the limits of the volume. You can make out the seam uh, between the floor and the walls of the dome fairly consistently in those scenes and it really forced a weird rhythm to the cuts as they could only continuously film them while walking the length of the room. Also, the end episode or end scene in the episode that had them running up to the wall of the volume so it could display a falling building or collapsing debris. Again, very noticeable. I feel like the Mandalorian team does a better job of utilizing it, making it more seamless. I hope they fine tune it a bit more. Uh, it'd be really distracting to have that effect turn up in the movies as well. Do you guys have any thoughts on the reliance of this new technology? I wonder if depending uh, on it as a consequence of the ambitious schedule, of the content they're set to produce. I guess I wonder if depending on it is a consequence of their ambitious schedule. Um, I know we've talked about this, but like, I think there's an element of, again, like Lord of the Rings, even though that was taking place in late nineties and early two thousands with very small exceptions, that shit still really holds up today. 20 years later. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing, right? But you had guys, brilliant people, purposely building technologies and stuff that directly do solve a problem. Got to have a massive armies and they can't look like they're all like doing the same animation. So we need some kind of AI that's going to randomize it and it needs to be able to control 10,000 people Mm -hmm. done. You know, Uh, you take that technology and you give it to some other thing that saw the Lord of the Rings and wants to do that. And they are not the people that worked on it and they don't understand its limitations and hey you know you this really works best if you film it at night and it's dark and it's raining and they try to do a bright sunny scene and it just doesn't work as well i think that might be you've got this like i I, uh this this showrunner uh god damn i've already forgot his name the guy from rick and morty um i think he's a really talented guy and he's a really smart guy and he's got a lot of good but like you are flipping him the key to a billion dollar car here. And is he going to be able to drive it as well as, you know, someone that like conceived the technology because it needed to scratch a certain itch. And, you know, it's like, Hey, this actually works super well for aircraft hangers and scums of hive and villainy. They're indoor kind of dark areas that have hulking machinery that you can kind of have three dimensionally poking out into real world and kind of hide these seams and you got to make sure you film or is he just like, Hey, I can do this thing. And you know, nobody's tried it before. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a tech or if it's just the fact that like, this is the first time they're using it in these ways and it just didn't quite work. And, and they did, you know, like they didn't know it wouldn't. 
and there's no time to like spend another $10 million to fix it. So it's just going to look a little rough. Yeah. And the setting they're using it in within the story is also uh, pretty severe. Like it, it felt oppressive to me, the lighting in this episode, but I think that's just a consequence of the planet coming to crash into the moon. <laughs> like, I think it was maybe intentionally uh, meant to feel that way. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, you know, it, it created an atmosphere where I was like noticing the lighting almost more than anything that was happening on the screen. And it's mm-hmm. not cause I was consciously thinking of the volume necessarily, but just, you know, it, it, it gives you a feeling um, when, when there are visuals on the screen that feel this, washed over everything and yeah. if that's what you're going for and and it you know it, it creates an atmosphere so you better know how you're using that and maybe they intentionally did that to make me feel oppressed in this make me yeah. feel like doom was coming and if so it worked um if not i could see that they may, maybe need to you know fix how they're using it yeah like I, I mean if you're from the midwest you probably know what i'm about to describe but like before and sometimes after like a severe thunderstorm or especially a tornado mm-hmm. i shit you not the light is green yeah whole sky is green. and if you tried to replicate that on a camera on a hollywood soundstage i'm almost guarantee you it would look wrong because it is wrong it's yeah. like that's when you see that shit it's like you either went through some shit or you're about to go through some shit Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they're trying like like because I noticed that too. The light was a little weird, but it's like what does you know the reflected light from a moon entering an atmosphere and causing like what the shit does that actually look like? And the world's alien and this the right. it's like black sand and purple mesas and but 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 yeah, it did, it did look wrong. And I don't know how much of that is like you said the volume and how much of that was them going for an apocalyptic vibe and um. But it was it it was noticeable and I thought distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I've noticed that something like a, uh, I, I thought that they were doing this on the expanse last year. It wasn't the volume, but it's essentially the same kind of thing. I think that ultimately this is going to be huge because it's going to let people do like really impressive sci fi type sets for like really cheap. But, you know, uh for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. More, more like, convincingly. Right. Cause you could do all this stuff, yes. but getting those reflections, getting those, the small details takes a lot of time and money. Get it to not look washed out when it's like a projection instead of like a, something that's actually emitting light. Yeah. I, I yeah. think there, there's definitely things they can do and it, it'll, it'll get there. It'll get mm-hmm. there. But uh, this is like, you know, this shit was just really created two years ago. Um, and it's yeah. clearly, set the uh the filmmakers kind of minds on fire with what they can do about it and you know it 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 might need some tweaking here and there but uh uh that's all the feedback we got this week again if you'd like to send us more you can do so at marvel at baldmove.com send it into that email and we will consider it for the show uh thanks to everyone that did so uh appreciate everyone listening to the podcast uh, I, I am expecting some fireworks and so not just the one shooting from Loki's fingertips next episode. It should be yeah. a full on clusterfuck of illusions and enchanting and the TVA getting their head out of their asses and figuring what's going on. It it should be. And we're halfway done, man. We're I know. Like in a downhill. That's the thing. I'm, I'm getting a little antsy because there's so little time left in this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we will, we will be here tomorrow, the next week rather for either the thrilling conclusion of what seems like a two-parter episode or the letdown of the century. We'll <laughs> oh see. God, I hope not. We'll see. We'll see. Loki season four or, or season this one. This was going to be the one, man. Week. 
this was going to be the the Marvel <laughs> show that I'm finally like, yeah, okay, cool. You were supposed to be the chosen one right. that got Jim reinvested <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not destroy his interest. It's true. Uh, the, well, we'll see if Loki has the, the high ground. The volume is rough. Uh, it's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> We'll see if they have the high ground or if we can just see that they're standing on a green screen block and I can see the seam in the volume next week. Uh, We'll see you guys then. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.